0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome into episode 300 of the Sources A Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental. Today, Nick Coffey of Sports Talk 790 joins us. The Card Connect himself, we got a big game to break down. Kentucky versus Louisville this week in the Yum Center. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say it's presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online to justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. doctor Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team. Look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by the one and only Nick Coffey. Nick uh, it's a big one. I, I'm excited to have you on. It's your first time on the show. You're already this lying. Book.
1: You're already lying, saying this is a big game. It's a big game for who? Uh,
0: all of us. It, it's it's. <laughs> it, it, I'll, I'll I will never apologize for getting up for a UK U of L game ever.
1: Have you ever been in in my position as a Louisville fan in in the current uh, situation? Because uh, I don't I don't wish it on anybody. So it is a big game every year. It's usually a game where. Um, the lead up like the few days beforehand, it's just, everybody's on, on uh, the edge of their seat. The anxiousness is high, but around here, I I think with Louisville fans, it's um, it's, it's, I, I don't have words for it. It's uh, it's not going to be a close game and um, who knows, maybe their coach is gone before, after it's, it's just a mess, not an ideal situation on the Louisville side, but I think Kentucky fans will probably have 75, 80% of the, of the crowd. So that'll be something to remember. I'm sure.
0: So, you are the ultimate vibe check guy. That's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on to discuss what the vibe is right now Uh, because it is such an uncertain, weird era of this rivalry because, again, it isn't what the, you know, we're not talking about, oh, how is Sky Clark going to match up with DJ? Like, nobody cares about that, the, the intricacies of that. People care about the big picture, Kenny Payne versus John Calipari. Will Kenny Payne be there? The future of the program... Uh, you know, what's the trajectory look like? All of that stuff. So, Mr. check himself. W- w- what is the vibe around the program right now? What is 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 w- is there any semblance of optimism? And what does that future look like for the Louisville program?
1: I'll say I'll. I mean, they they are they're coming off a win, and there's only been nine of them in total since Kenny's got the job. So that's maybe something. But I mean, the vibe overall from top to bottom has really just been an absolute circus. We've been in a a consistent, you know, you can't make this stuff up kind of, um, vibe for, for a while now, just with not only the the product on the court, but just the PR goofs that have happened with the Tyler Johnson tight situation, the whole Quran Davis mess. I mean, it's been, I mean, again, it's, you can't make this stuff up. It seems like every day, there's some kind of a, of a, of a talking point that just makes things look as, you know, worse than they may, they may actually be. So There's no optimism from the fan base. I've never seen this fan base, this checked out last year. I think it was shock, anger, and just, you know, disbelief. And now you're in year two and yes, they have one more games already, but if you watch and you trust your eyes, there really isn't a whole lot of difference from last year compared to this year. And I actually think they have some good young personnel. So Um, I've never seen the fan base quite like this when it comes to checking the pulse, checking the vibes of, of optimism. I mean, it's, to me, it's really, it's become really hard to, to find anybody who would, would claim that Kenny Payne still deserves to be the head coach. I don't think that's a personal feeling from the fan base. It's just, I mean, it's not an exaggeration and it's not something to pile on. You could make the case that as of right now with the results that, that are there and the off the court stuff, lack of transparency and just knowing what Louisville basketball can be. You could make the case that Kenny Payne may be the worst hire in the history of the sport. I know that sounds mean. It sounds harsh, but I don't, I don't think you could, you could, you could sell me that, that it's, that it's anything other than what it is. It's been an absolute disaster. And you mentioned sort of talking about the matchups, the personnel, style of play, that kind of stuff. Not only has it not been a talking point this week with this game coming up, it hasn't been a talking point about Louisville in a while because you know, they've shown that they're clearly more capable than what we see with the results, right? They compete with a decent Texas team, a decent Indiana team. I mean, they've got some decent talent. It's just they're such a mess. And, uh, you know, they can they can lose to anybody. So when they play one of the best teams in the country coming up here in just, you know, just a couple of days, I mean, it I, I expect it to be one of the, the, the biggest beatdowns ever. There is a chance that maybe Calipari won't let that happen because of his respect and his friendship with Kenny Payne. But I, I think just with with the way this game's going to go up and down, I, I think it'll you'll have to be very intentional to kind of call the dogs off, if you know what I mean. So to answer your question, vibes uh, not great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I guess my next question for you is is how did we get to this point? Because even as a Kentucky fan like myself, being around this program, knowing this coaching staff, knowing how Kenny Payne operated as an you know the associate head coach at the University of Kentucky there was a general consensus an overwhelming consensus that Kenny Payne was going to make it as a head coach somewhere. And I'll be totally honest. I don't think there was a single Kentucky fan out there knowing the way he worked and the way in you know, the, the big man guru, the player whisperer, all of the, the, the traits that he became known for that that would not translate to the head coaching position, especially at a place like Louisville where, you know, it's, it's family. It's, it's, uh, he had all of that stuff in, in his back pocket and the, it just feels like there is a disconnect there somewhere that we all thought he was going to make it and it was going to be an overwhelming success. We were kind of upset that it unfolded the way it did because we kind of thought that the rivalry was going to get back to where it was and could finally start taking some losses and you know make it actually competitive. So where did that downfall start? When did kind of the, the uh, okay, we just got to, this is a rebuild. We got to understand that we just got to get past this point and then we're going to start kind of slowly creeping toward what the future looks like. Where was that breaking point, and how did we get to this point of no return?
1: Unfortunately, I mean, really, since day one, uh, there were some signs that that you know were 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 there. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he didn't arrive in Louisville um, right after getting the job in a very important time when you're trying to meet players, determine who you want to keep around. I mean, I think. You know, you talk to folks around the program that are even more connected than I am that will tell you that really since day one, there were signs that maybe this guy didn't really have the chops to be a head coach. I mean, I think hiring Kitty Payne made sense. I mean, given where Louisville was, they still hadn't had any closure from the NCAA just yet. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in the job, I think, from candidates out there. Um, so, you know, you took a risk. You hire a guy who's never been a head coach, and there's a lot of boxes that he checks when it comes to Recruiting. I mean, that's something he apparently was a big was a big role of his for Calipari and Lexington. Uh, NBA players, all stars talk highly of him and his ability to relate to them and to motivate them and, and coach them. Uh, and it just I, I think it's been a real eye opener that there is a big difference in being a head coach and being an assistant. You know, I, I've, I've tried to, to get the answer to that question uh, for, for over a year now talking to some guys who used to be on staff with him at Kentucky one guy particularly who you know loves Kenny I've never met anybody and for the record I've never met anybody that doesn't have good things to say about Kenny Payne as a person even the players who've moved on and the players who of course are maybe here now that hate it because of course it's just a mess I don't think it's anything in regards to where they don't like Kenny Payne or they think he's a bad guy or he's disingenuine but his role at Kentucky from what I understand was very important but a lot of what he did was not anything close to what what a head coach does, which is normal because he wasn't the head coach. He was an assistant coach. So you just never know. It's a risk when you hire anybody. It's a bigger risk when you hire somebody at Louisville that has never been a head coach before. And, you know, looking back, yeah, it was a mistake, but I probably would have done the same thing knowing who was realistically in play. I mean, it wasn't like you were going to go get a sitting head coach that was in a good situation to come start over at Louisville, just given the circumstances. So, you know, I, I would be shocked if Kenny decides to pursue head coaching in any level after this. It just hasn't been, hasn't been a good fit. And, you know, his decisions in regards to how he's built the roster has been a real head scratcher for me. You know, he's against the transfer portal as far as guys that are veterans guys that have played a lot of college basketball. Um, and, And that's important. I mean, if you take the young talent they have, and instead of adding a, Karan Davis who nobody had ever heard of or Danilo Jovanovic who didn't play at Miami and you go get veterans I mean I don't know how much better this team actually is because their issues are so deep rooted but he just didn't want to do that I mean there are guys who would have loved to have come to play for Louisville despite them winning four games last year because of their connection to the program or something or they're from here that would have helped but he didn't he didn't want to go down uh that path so to answer your question I just think it was I mean it was a swing and a miss and uh there really hasn't been you know there've been people surrounding the program that are still working with the program that I've talked to. And I'm not talking about his assistant coaches, but just people around that have tried to help him and say, look, here's some things you can do, some things you could say, some action you could take that can only help you given the situation. And he just hasn't really listened to anybody. I mean, the way he decided to handle the Kron Davis thing, that was all him. That was all him from start to finish. People tried to correct him and keep that from turning into the mess that it did, but he's just, you know, he has a lot of Calipari in him with the way he handles things, which makes sense given the fact that he comes from the Calipari coaching tree. He worked for him forever, but you really can't do that when you aren't the Calipari that has the resume and you're taking over You're this is your first time doing this. So, you know, it's 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 and I hate to sound like I'm I'm being dramatic and, and exaggerating, but it really has been at every turn just a complete sign that this guy is not capable of doing this job which is unfortunate it's sad because you know as much as people want Kenny Payne to be fired and deservedly so it's not like anybody's happy that it worked out this way but it really is an all-timer to see just how bad things have become I don't think people are doing it to pile on when you have folks who cover the sport nationally folks that you know Jack I mean they're looking at this still in disbelief as to just how bad things have gotten
0: So, so on my end, uh, you know, going to recruiting events, being around people that are are the shakers and movers that put guys in different positions and are you know directly involved in some of these recruiting decisions, they talked to me early on in the Kenny Payne era and was like, Kenny doesn't really want help, and we've offered to say, "Hey, this is a good fit. This is a good foundational piece to add." Uh, You know, I think there was a genuine will to to help nationally with kenny people Payne love kenny he is- there's
1: no doubt people want to help kenny kenny is a likable guy that has a lot of resources a lot of people in his corner and last week when things got really bad and i mean to cut you off but that's where it got to the point where a lot of folks are out there like hey we we don't know what he's doing we don't know why he hasn't taken some guidance and and just listened to people
0: and, and so that was kind of my first concern is okay Really important and powerful people in the basketball world that want to help you and believe in the Louisville program long term as a, okay, this is a top 10 college basketball program in history. We can work with this and you're, you're the face. You kind of have the reputation. We could work with this. And there wasn't the kind of the the mutual part of that to to make it kind of a a partnership so I think that was kind of strike one and then strike two I've heard mixed things about the assistant coaches I don't get your your take on those three together Uh, I've heard on one side that they're incompetent and they do nothing more than than hold a clipboard and and that they've been no deeper help that Kenny if, if he was going to make it at Louisville that you know, they didn't help the cause there. And then on the other side, I've also heard that kind of what we had been saying, Kenny is not listening to them either. So they've kind of had this mindset of, well, you know, he's not going to listen to us when we try to lay foundational values and kind of help establish a culture and all that. If, if he's not willing to listen to us, then I guess we are just going to be professional clipboard holders. So what, what has that dynamic been with Kenny versus the assistants? Do you think that they're qualified? And I guess, what is the next step I've heard one name on my end who could potentially be the interim. I'm curious on your side what what you've heard uh, among those three.
1: So the assistants are one of the biggest mysteries in the entire situation because it's not quite clear if each of them have established identified roles. Right? They're just assistant coaches. I mean, I know Nolan has some some chops as a recruiter. Uh, that's that's and, and to be fair, I, actually, Nolan has um, at times I think. Not, I, don't, I don't want to say he's shown some immaturity, but you know, fighting with fans on Twitter, no matter what, is never something that's going to be a good look for anybody. And it's honestly something that no head coach should ever tolerate an assistant doing. I mean, I think you'd agree. If John Calipari had an assistant fighting with fans on Twitter, it would be something that would be dealt with. And Nolan did that a lot last year because I think he was blindsided by the fact that when you're here, no matter what the situation is, if you're terrible, people are going to be upset about it. And that's just that's the territory of what this job is. You know, Danny Manning... I don't know what he does. He's been a head coach before, never really had a whole lot of success, had a year or two at a couple of different spots where it looked like he might be somewhat of a successful coach. And there were folks that thought, okay, he could be a good assistant, or is he just still trying to cut a check, get a salary and just kind of hang out? And by all all signs, that's that's exactly what he's doing. Josh Jamison is somebody that nobody knows why he was hired. And I don't say that as a personal shot. I don't know him at all, but you, nobody was going to go hire him from Oregon. He wasn't in. He was an, an assistant coach. He was sort of a director of ops, kind of a GM role for the program. And I know he's got a long relationship with Kenny from his time in Oregon. But, you know, those two guys, I really didn't know what to expect. With Nolan, I understand why fans feel a little bit underwhelmed. And it's hard for fans to even think great about the coaching staff whenever you have the results that you have. And I doubt you've paid attention to this because why would you? But in most instances – The assistant coaches have been lifeless on the bench. I mean, no attention to detail. It's like they're just observing the game, almost like they're being punished for having to watch it. Now, at times, there'll be a play here or there where they get into it, but it doesn't doesn't last. It's not sustainable. And, you know, Nolan trying to go to the G League as the semester started, that was the biggest red flag that this was not going to work. I mean – it was taught and, and here's where we are, Jack. These kind of things come up and it's like, wow, but you're not surprised anymore because of just the level of what this is. Nolan Smith trying to go take a G League job a week before practice starts. I mean, that's that's insane. Where does that happen anywhere? Right. I mean, that's but it's it's a real sign that he probably knows this thing isn't gonna work. And I don't know Nolan at all. It could be that he realizes this is gonna sink. I don't want to be on board when it happens, I want to go elsewhere and then bounce back. Um, I don't know if he has any. I don't know about the relationship that Kenny has with those assistant coaches. I don't think there's turmoil, but I don't really know. But I'll say this about Nolan. He's believed to be the lead recruiter for, 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 for this program. And on paper, they signed a really, really good class after winning four games. To me, if that's Nolan, I mean, that's him saying he still has some value. I don't want to say it's all him. Clearly NIL is a factor as well, and it's not to say that Kenny wasn't a part of it, but, you know, Trent Flowers bailed, and obviously that's that's unfortunate. But, I mean, they were here. They were signed. A lot of these guys pick Louisville over some other legit programs that are very successful. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like he may have just realized, look, I, 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 can, I can go elsewhere. I'm going to go land in the G League for a while and see when another job opens up. So, um, you know. I think staff from top to bottom uh, they needs to be held accountable. But I I still am somebody, because I get asked that a lot. You know, what do you think the future is for Nolan? When he left Duke, there were some people that thought he had such a bright future in college basketball. I'm not ready to say that he doesn't have a bright future. It's tough to know. But I think that's one of the little things throughout the entire mess here that was a really positive. And I think Nolan was mostly responsible for it. So will Nolan become the, the interim head coach? I'm not sure. I've heard that if that's the case, Danny Manning may walk because he's the associate head coach. And you would think that that would be his opportunity to do that, um, and I could see somebody saying, "Look, this thing's bad enough. I don't want to be the interim coach. I don't want to step in here and be associated with somebody that is directly responsible for wins and losses as the interim head coach." There's thought, talk. There's talk about bringing in somebody from the outside, and I wouldn't be against that. That just is so. That just doesn't happen very often. So, um, you know, your guess is as good as mine as far as what they do if they do make a move from Kenny mid year.
0: It was kind of my working assumption just my loose conversations with the, the few people I do know around those parts that Nolan would be the interim guy and and I did, didn't know the Danny Manning aspect of it which would make I mean it makes sense on paper why would he not feel some type of way about it but you kind of it there there is a risk that comes with it like yes that you do get your own program for however long that that takes maybe it's an entire semester if if Nolan Smith takes over and finishes strong what does that look like does he get a shot I, I highly 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 doubt he gets the, the head coaching shot but uh, you know it, it is an opportunity for him but if things continue to kind of waver and he just treads water what does that do for his long-term career because we kind of saw what happened with David Padgett like you know, he's now coaching high school basketball and, and him taking over as the interim uh, in that situation didn't necessarily catapult his career. He so looks like it's, John it's...
1: Wood now compared to this staff, but <laughs> y- your point's well made.
0: <laughs> so it, it is it is a tricky situation that I don't think anybody would just mindlessly, blindly take that. I'm totally on. with so, you. you. Know, I, I think got I it, think I, got it.
1: I think some fans assume that that would be a no brainer. And I get why when you're thinking about your career long term it will be where more attention's on you than, than has ever been. Um, even for Danny, I mean, Danny was never leading a, a top tier program that was having a whole lot of success. I mean, it's not that everybody in college basketball is going to wait and see what Danny Manny can do, but if you're Nolan, I mean, I think why, well, okay, you got to pick your spots as far as when you want to step in and where you think you can be successful. And I think every coach on this staff is under the impression that if it's them leading or Kenny leading, there's probably not going to be a big change, you know, in, in what we're seeing, you know, so I, if Nolan decided to do it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. And I wouldn't be totally shocked, but it's not, it's not crazy to me to hear that when they have even thrown out the idea of which direction they go, if they make a move, they don't have an, they don't really, it's not like people are lining up to volunteer.
0: (laughs) Who? Okay. Explain the Carter Knox debacle to me. What the hell was that timing? And, and I know there's a lot of the, you know, some of the faces around the Louisville media that are vouching for Kenny Payne and are kind of using there's one, a, there's one. Still, and I'll say, his still, name, re-
1: just, there's one,
0: he's still recruiting. He's still out knocking, knocking things out. What, just what makes, how does that make any sense? It doesn't. What was the uh, objective there?
1: It, it's just, it's another part of the circus here. I mean, at the time that news broke, we were all on the edge of our seat thinking any moment we're going to find out Friday news dump that, that he's fired. And then you hear that, it's you know i can't blame kenny if he's still trying to fight and i don't blame kenny if he says look if you're gonna fire me you pay me my money and and i'll leave like he has a right to do that that's a contract that's what contracts exist but there's no scenario that if kenny Payne was here carter knox would come and play at louisville i mean there's on what planet would that make sense and (laughs) if these kids decided to come back i mean they need to i mean I don't want to say something that sounds like it's way over the top, but if you're a player on this current team and you win, you know, seven games this year and the coaching staff is the same, why would you stay? So like they have no recruits lined up. Carter Knox is not going to come to, to Louisville. I think it was probably, you know, in my guess, and you may know this better than I do knowing the Knox family's situation with Kenny. I know Kevin and Carter Knox's father is close with Kenny. Not, I mean, apparently they're actually not just close throughout the recruitment, but they've become good friends, good family, friends, And maybe it was a favor to Kenny to make it look like, but it's so far past that he could have six, five stars in the house on Thursday night. And it's, it's so far gone. It's not really going to change anything because I'm not here to tell you Louisville has a loaded roster with a ton of talent that has final four potential, but they're not where they are currently combined with last year's roster and this year's roster because of personnel talent. So, you know, you'd like to have a lot of talent, You'll take any five star you can get, but that's not why Louisville is struggling. So I think it was just a desperate attempt to try to make it seem as if, hey, despite this being as bad as it is, you know, it helps on the way. So um, it really is. I mean, again, you you could you can add up all these things, and it just it 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 it's you can't I mean. Who would do that? Was that a, You cover recruiting. Has anybody, it, That's the most unexpected. It's, it's insulting to, to make people think this was a real thing. I mean, he was there. He did visit, so it happened. So I guess it's not fake. But the idea that Carter Knox would come and play for Louisville at, with Kenny Payne, it's just not reality.
0: I was there at OTE the day that that news broke uh, about him taking the visit, and it was the, one of the weirdest things recruiting interviews I can remember in a really long time because you could tell he was watching every single word as closely as imaginable. Like I cannot say something to screw this up. So every question. So how long has this visit been scheduled? Um, yeah, It's been scheduled for a minute, um, but it was going to happen either way. Like, what, either way, what? What does that mean? Like, you you could tell he didn't, he was put in a really uncomfortable position that I guarantee you Kenny reached out to dad and said, I need you. This is kind of the last ditch effort to potentially save me. Maybe if you visit and who knows, if you commit to me. Maybe it forces Josh's hand to keep me for at least the rest of the year. Maybe I could write the ship. Like, I don't know if it was kind of that mindset of let's just hit a, a single and maybe I could round the bases by the end of the year and save my job. I don't know. But it put Carter in a really uncomfortable position, and I was uncomfortable being there sure. with him talking about it. So I don't think, you know, somebody told me that there was a chance he could commit leaving that visit, that there that even if it meant nothing on the surface, that he could commit publicly to just, in, if nothing else, save Kenny's job for the rest of the season in hopes that it does something long-term with the mindset of, I have no intention of ever playing for
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's exactly local. what it would be. I mean, who would commit to a school under any circumstance whenever the, the talking point about said program is that the coach is not expected to be there in 48 hours? It makes, it's, again, it's <laughs> insulting to make people believe that. I can't fault them for trying something, but just, I mean, come on, who would, who would see that as, okay, everybody let's slow down. Kenny's got this thing figured out. I mean, it's, it's nonsense. Carter Knox was actually scheduled to visit in September and it just didn't happen. Just never happened. And they have a kid committed, three-star kid committed who's never visited, didn't sign. They did not have a single visitor on campus as far as, you know, an official visitor that they're trying to bring in and sign in this current class, not a single one from, I think, March on. So they're not they're, I mean, you talk to people and the, they're not even, like they're not rec- they haven't been recruiting. I mean, that, that's not something they've been doing. I mean, they've been maybe here and there at events. But I mean, they don't have a single player signed for next year. And as I've said, anybody who, you know, you could have a good year and you're going to lose players because the portal is what it is now. So I think this staff has actually been operating for the last six to eight months as if they know they're not going to be here long term. And this was a last minute thing. Okay, let's do something to make it look like we're still trying because, you know, Nolan trying to leave, no visitors on campus. Did Kenny just automatically decide, okay, I no longer want freshmen whenever I've said since day one, that's the only thing I want to do. No veterans, no no veterans in the portal. That's not the right way to do it. We're going to build a program with young people. And, you know, he has no young people in the mix now. So and now, you know, he's blaming young people like Tyler Johnson. He threw him under the bus. That was that was that wasn't necessary. Good luck getting more young people to come and commit to you and play for you when you go out of your way to embarrass them. I mean, it's just again, it's an absolute circus. And I apologize for, you know, hijacking your show and just bending. I feel like I'm at therapy and I'm on the couch and you guys just listen to me, listening to me, you know, lose my mind.
0: That's exactly why we brought you on. So this is—it's a pleasure to be able to, yeah. to be a part of this. I get it. I get uh, it. Yeah, call, call me your therapist. I'm for it. Um, all right, let's let's circle back to the game itself. Uh, what do you know about Kentucky? What is the expectation on your side about how you know we do have to talk about personnel one v one? How how does Louisville stack up? And what you know what, what is the optimistic finish for this and the pessimistic finish for how things unfold on Thursday
1: so I'm very familiar with Kentucky I think this is um, I mean a different team than than one I can remember it's still built with mostly young freshmen with a lot of upside that's not new that's sort of been the brand overall but the backcourt I mean I think they have uh, a foursome backcourt that is as good as anybody in transition I think they've shown in three games this year that Uh, you can't run with them. I mean, they've made some old dudes look like old dudes, in my opinion. You've got Kansas, which, of course, they lost that game, but it really came down to the very end where it kind of just fizzled out. But, you know, Kentucky, you know, they were were the younger team. They didn't have the size. Obviously, they didn't have one of their bigs at that point, but I felt like that was an early sign that, okay, if you want to run with this team, you better buckle up and you better be ready to do it because not only do they excel in transition, they've now got shooters, and that's what's big difference here is I think all four of their guards can shoot it, and I think guys like Reed and Rob are better at, at getting open in transition and, and firing a three. And they, again, they can also finish in transition. So um, I, I think the Miami game was a reminder that, yeah, you can have proven talent, veterans, dudes that have been around a while that a lot of teams would love to have. But at the end of the day, talent, speed, athleticism, that's still the premium. And Kentucky has a lot of that right now. I think they did it against Carolina, not only with the way they played, but also you know, Kentucky's guys, the young guys showed a lot of poise in a big moment. Whereas I think Carolina's veterans didn't. So Kentucky, you know, like anybody, they can be beat. I think your best chance to beat them is to not try to run with them. And when you've got teams like Miami, Kansas and Carolina, they're not looking at how you play. They're going to do what they do and assume they're going to do it better than you. And I think they kind of learned the hard way. That's not to say that, you know, if they play 10 times, those teams wouldn't get some wins playing in that same style, but the best chance to beat Kentucky and it doesn't mean you're going to, but is is to slow it down and try to make them guard you for 85 to 90 percent of the shot clock, and maybe you get a breakdown because they're young, they're still learning. Maybe they risk uh, shooting a passing lane like a Dillingham, you know, gets get, gets risky, or somebody tries to block a shot, uh, and maybe you get a breakdown. You get to the foul line. I think on you know on the other end, if you're going to try to uh, defend them, you know, kind of dare them to, to 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 go one on one, and good luck trying to stop them. Not a lot of teams have the ability to do that, so. This matchup specifically, Louisville's gonna Louisville's gonna try to run with them because that's when they've had their best, that's when they've had their best success. I mean, when they play Texas, Indiana, even Virginia Tech, I think those are games where Louisville has, you know, the players kind of are playing to the level of their competition, right? They're not lining up against Virginia Tech and going up against dudes they just can't believe are there. And they're so I mean, it's it's again, it's not personnel's not the biggest issue that Louisville has. So when they do that, I think they find themselves where Scott Clark can he can get buckets in transition. Trey White, um, Tyler Johnson's been a bright spot. I think he's still learning, but you know he's been able to really dictate pace and, and just make some things happen for you. Um, I think their front court is a big big mess. Huntley Hatfield has has shown it at times, but really he's been inconsistent since his time at Tennessee. So this game specifically, I think Louisville's going to try to play the way Kentucky's playing, and it'll backfire in a major way. Um, it may be close, closer early on than people expect. Like I could see second TV timeout, Louisville's within like six or seven, and then I just imagine Kentucky's going to go on a run. And this is what happens when you have teams in this situation. All it takes is a big hit of, of, of adversity, and you can tell yourself, hey, lock in, block out the noise, we got this. But the human element is a powerful thing, and these guys know what's being said about them. They know their record. And it and it's happened. It happened against DePaul, it happened against Arkansas State and against Pepperdine. Fortunately for them, that run never happened. Pepperdine never really did anything to kind of grab momentum, even if it was brief. Louisville kind of held on for the whole way and they won. That won't be the case. And I think when you really when you see when you see how bad things truly are, it's gonna be whenever there's a big run. And these guys, I don't wanna say they quit and they just completely, you know, don't care. But it adds up, man. It takes its toll on you. And these guys, I mean, they know. They're humans. They know what's being said about them. They know their coaches. I mean, the athletic director met with a couple of the players, and it's essentially to talk about should the guy still be the coach here. So, like, they're aware, and it's going to be a road game for them. There's going to be way more blue there than red. It'll be a a beatdown. The only chance that it's not, like, all-time bad is if Calipari just decides he doesn't want to do that. But last year, he didn't. I mean, Cal's a competitor. He's not going to. He's not going to, you know. Hey, let's make sure we only win by fifteen. He's not going to do that. That's just not how he's wired, and he shouldn't do that. So, um, I think this will be one of the all-time most lopsided games in this rivalry series. And if you know anything about both teams right now, I can't say that you you should be you, you shouldn't be surprised if that's what happens.
0: There are some. Narratives and talking points that kind of connect the two programs in terms of personnel. Sky Clark, obviously a former Kentucky commit, was seen, you know, before pre ACL injury, was seen as kind of the future of, of this program as the lead guard. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, cousin of, of uh, Alex Poitras, was once seen as a almost Kentucky lock before things unfolded transferred high schools and ends up signing with uh, Tennessee. And then obviously the DJ Wagner weird debacle that was with Milt on staff. And, you know, a lot of Louisville fans thought they had that one in the bag. And and Aaron Bradshaw was another one that they kind of thought they were in a good, good spot for. So are we so far removed from that stuff where none of it really matters or could that present an edge that could complicate things ever so slightly either direction?
1: I think things have gotten so bad that it's not something that anybody, I mean, I, I mean, you, you mentioned the Milt and DJ thing. And it, I mean, I, I mean, not that I forgot that that happened, but it's, (laughs) it's just the, I think the majority of the time spent thinking about this program from the Louisville side, as far as their fans, is about what's next. When is this over? When can we at least know that it's going to be over and we're going to start anew? So, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, there should have been some more signs that when Kenny did get, and he recruited decently. And and that's what's crazy. He actually put together a good class in the end, but it was after all the guys that Louisville fans felt like they had a good chance of getting because of Kenny's relationship with Purvis Ellison and the Wagner family. And like none of that materialized. And looking back, you know, you got me thinking about it. There was really never any, there was nearly never any indication that DJ was going to go anywhere other than Kentucky. I just think it is so rare that you hire a staffer that is related to a player and that it doesn't, I mean, it just happened in college football, right? With the kid that flipped from Georgia to Nebraska. So that is an obvious thing people would pay attention to. But, you know, to DJ's credit, he never did anything to hint that he was going to do. I mean, he's pretty tight-lipped about everything. But I mean, I think from the time he was in middle school, everybody knew because of his father's relationship that he was going to go play for John Calipari no matter where he was. So, you know, we got our hopes up about some things and I don't think we were crazy to see some potential dots being connected but now that I'm reflecting on it I mean we were stupid to think that they were going to get Bradshaw or or Wagner just because I mean they were always going to go to Kentucky and Purvis Ellison I mean he's close with with Kenny Payne as like a friend but he publicly or Kenny has publicly said that Purvis begged him not to take the Louisville job and you know, the, 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 there's not been a single guy that Louisville's been in the mix for that they landed that was a Purvis Ellison, you know, recruit or, or you know, played for his AAU team. So, um, yeah, I'd forgotten all about the whole DJ Wagner, Milt Wagner thing, because that's where we are. Like, it's, it's just it's an afterthought now because this thing is so far gone.
0: Unless you listen to Jay Williams on a nationally televised broadcast. That was great. <laughs> Say in the middle of nowhere that uh, DJ was going to just up and transfer. Like what? That was another part of this debacle that was just like.
1: Well, nobody, no, wow. nobody, nobody would even believe that was remotely true. Like that was just what Jay Williams does. And he's, he, he when he does games, which is not a common, right? I mean, that was rare thing that they put him in the color analyst role for ESPN. He knows basketball, obviously, and he's a big personality with ESPN, but that's not really his lane doing that job. And what he does is he just ends up turning it into his own talk show. And he just started rambling and saying that. And like, everybody's like, what the hell is this guy talking yeah. about? And I mean, it was, I mean, yeah, it was, it's nonsense.
0: That's why it was almost so dumb that it almost (laughs) kind of had a, okay. He couldn't have just come out up with that out of his ass. Like that couldn't have just been a.
1: People were probably thinking like, well, somebody had to say something for him to say that. I'm here to tell you, I think Jay Williams, Jay Williams was just kind of being a dumbass. I'm being honest with you. (laughs) He was
0: just, he was just spitting just time, time, time of day. He was just ready to uh, get that thing rolling. All right. So. Let's start rounding home here. What what would be the nail in the coffin done? I mean, would it take a sea of blue to enter the Yum Center on Thursday and for it to be a 40 point beatdown in front of 12 U of L fans? Like, is that what would be the all right? Kenny Payne is fired on Friday. It's time to start looking to what's next.
1: I mean, a loss to your, I mean, it, if they lose by 35 points to Kentucky and of course there'll be a lot of blue, there, more blue than red. I mean, that would be embarrassing, but it's not like I'll do post game. I'll go live on the radio as soon as that game ends. And maybe because it's Kentucky, there'll be more anger about it, but nobody's shocked when you lose to Arkansas state and DePaul and Chattanooga and Kentucky Wesleyan. So the administration, in my opinion, you know, I know there's a lot more that goes into that than I would ever know, but like, it's just wild to me, Jack, to think, okay, yeah, that's what did it. That's what made you realize this was not working out. A loss to maybe the best team in the country right now. That's what made you decide, okay, here we go. We should probably consider pulling the plug. So I think the scenario you put out there is, in fact, what is going to happen. Will it lead to him being fired on Friday? I doubt it. I just don't think you can put that together that quickly, that close to Christmas. And the board, I mean, you have... The board has to approve whatever decision Josh Hurd makes and the EULA board makes, and you know, th- there's no way they do that by then. There could be a report from somebody that says, "Hey, Kenny Payne has ha- is out," and they're they're going through the process of getting it figured out. That wouldn't shock me if their report comes out Friday from somebody that is connected to college basketball. And then you've got a long break between the Kentucky game and their first game, I and mean, they've got I think nearly thirteen days off between this Kentucky game and the first game in twenty twenty four. So that would be the timeline to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it would be a lot of a lot of people have said this, and I get actually I'm going to get your thoughts on this. A lot of people have said, well, you don't want to do it. You don't want to have an interim coach for the UK game. Why not? I mean, I don't. I mean, what. I don't mean, do you think that the interim coach would feel unfairly treated? Like that's what a lot of people have said is when you don't want to do it before the UK game, make him sit in it, make him, he's not going to be embarrassed. He's going to be smiling and hugging Calipari. Like I just, you know, if you were going to do it, you should have done it a week ago. Uh, Why they didn't do it then, I, I don't know. But I mean, my guess is that if it plays out the way I think it's going to is that during the holiday break, he'll be let go. But again, I'm, I'm, I've been in this pattern for a while. Nothing would shock me.
0: <laughs> I, I guess the only counter to it is weird stuff happens with inter- when interim coaches take over. Like yeah. sometimes it just takes a one rally, but you know, th- this was the one guy that the players connected to in some weird reason in some odd fashion. You're right. Uh, and that's the guy that, you know, we could play for, we, we are emotionally invested in playing for him and that's where you get weird upsets and wonky finishes and stuff. So I don't necessarily think, but if Josh had a mindset of, we got to, we got to win this game, I don't think Kenny Payne is the one to win that game. Like, no, I know that might be a little on the nose, Kenny Payne winning or not winning those games, but.
1: (laughs) uh, Well, I want to, so with Kenny, I mean. The thought of him not coaching the game because he got fired, there's a lot of folks that said, well, Calipari will beat you by 100 if that's the case because he'll be sticking up for his friend. He'll beat him by 100 if Kenny's coaching or he's in the stands. Like I I don't think that's that big of a factor to where you can make a decision based off that. And what you just said is a good point, and it gets brought up a lot on my show from people that say, look, I'm worried if they do an interim coach that they get some kind of momentum, some kind of a run. If that's the case, there's no scenario any of these guys on the staff have a chance. You've got a better chance of being the next head coach at Louisville <laughs> than anybody on this current staff. And I'm not exaggerating because Kenny could be 500 as a as a coach top to bottom. And if the arena still looks like it looks like, the fans are still just it, it is apathetic. There's no life at all in the program from engagement and support that's that's one of the reasons why you make a move. That's, I mean, you add it in there with the loss and the embarrassment and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I, I don't think anybody has to worry about if the interim coach has success, they may decide to keep him. There's no scenario that that, that, that happens.
0: Is there any scenario where Kenny Payne is the head coach next season?
1: I want to say no, but I, I I will also add, I'm just guessing like anybody else. I'm looking and evaluating what's right in front of me where i'm saying there's just no chance that anybody would say yeah let's keep doing this this is working like there's no nobody could do that with a straight face nobody that advocated and 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 supported kenny from the jump and i mean people who have influence within the community influence within the program those people their silence is loud as hell you don't hear from them you know why because what are they gonna say look at what's going on so that tells me there's no scenario i can't even wrap my mind around it but the athletic director the administration there's been zero transparency. There's been zero acknowledgement that this is what it is. So if we're just gonna base it off of what the administration and the athletic department is telling us, this is fine. But no big, I mean, so I and I know deep down they don't, they can't believe that. And if they do, they're not fit to be in the position that they're in. But to answer your question, I'll say yes. But again, the fact that we've never had anybody tell us that like this was this was unusual. I mean, there's not been any, I mean, they sent out invoices for season tickets this offseason <laughs> as if like, hey. Here's the bill. Pay us. Like there was no like, hey, because we need your money. I mean, there should have been some kind of a message message that says, look, we know last year was bad. Uh, we appreciate your support so much. We need your support to help get this thing turned around. And there's been none of that. So, I, I don't think he'll be the coach next year. I just don't see how that would how that would play out. But, I mean, I'm guessing like anybody else.
0: I I, I see this vision in my head of, okay, what if what if Louisville does somehow upset kentucky on thursday and that leads to a string of x number of victories and they're like all it took was that one statement and what what weird position josh eard would be in if that wild highly unlikely if not impossible scenario were to unfold but it's just like we're we're at that awkward stage where they haven't fired him. this point, you'd think that there would be a breaking point of after Arkansas state. Yep. Sorry. We got to just cut the cord and, and that's, there's, that's there's no that's, business. So if we're already here, what's a little bit more and what's a little bit more and what's to the end of the season, are, are we really going to have a game changer interim come in and save the day? It's already a lost cause. So maybe just ride the wave and see what I just kind of have that little inkling of, okay, well, what if, And that's a really tough no man's land for the Louisville fan base. I just, I don't know what you do at that point.
1: I mean, if you were going to do it, you should have done it after the back-to-back losses to DePaul and Arkansas state, because what happened is that the next game you played, I mean, nobody's that shocked when you beat Pepperdine too, because Pepperdine's Pepperdine. We know you could lose to anybody, but you, you have better players than, 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 than Pepperdine and, you know, Chattanooga and whoever else they played at home. That's, that's terrible. So by doing that, you now have fans thinking like, OK, well, like, should we be happy or what? They played better. They won. But like there's reports from people who we all believe that you're going to fire him. So like, what do we do now? So, you know, I, I think that I don't say it backfired on him, but if, if they're if they if they're competitive with Kentucky and it's a close game and it's not obvious that Calipari's doing some kind of shenanigans to help his buddy out, then that would be another sign that like Kenny should have never like you should never like you should never be this bad if you can compete in that game. So as you've said, it's, 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 I think it's damn near impossible that, that Louisville comes close to pulling off some kind of an upset, but if they do again, add it to the list of things where you just look around and say this, you can't make this up. This is insanity, but I think they lose and they lose in a major way. And, um, it probably will be, you know, my guess is that it'll be the last game he coaches, but I don't know. Again, I'm just guessing.
0: (laughs) All right, uh, let, let's wrap up here. I'll get you an uh, uh, official prediction from you. Where there's already talk of Jay Wright buying a house in Prospect, and uh, what, what who's next? <laughs> it's it's Facebook rumblings and oh yeah, we, I get all we, my information we, from Facebook Ken, too. Yeah. Kentucky fans have dealt with Billy Donovan buying horse farm conversations for for years, so it's about time you guys have to deal with something similar. But yeah, Jay Wright is the name that all Louisville fans want and are delusional and thinking is is a a realistic option what would be that next option if this does go down the path we are all anticipating who would be a home run hire or somebody within reason in your eyes
1: I mean I think the Jay Wright thing is only brought up because of one reason because he did work with Josh Hurd at Villanova but I don't think many think that that's realistic maybe they want him to at least just say no but I mean I'm not even I don't even think Josh would ask him because I think Josh knows that he's I mean he's he's not unemployed he's retired like he left the game and I doubt he has any interest in coming back but you know this job will I think get clearly more interest than than the last time around because of obvious reasons you now no longer have to worry about the NCAA giving you some kind of a a crazy penalty and I think there's been enough I mean we're still early on in the NIL era and the portal, but now this time around there's more proof that you can quickly flip things around if you if you go out and you add guys in the portal uh and you balance your roster and and you know you you really it's all about the portal. So I think that will keep folks from being fearful of like such a rebuild. Um but you know realistic candidates out there. I mean a lot of people say Mick Cronin. I don't love the idea of Mick Cronin because one, I don't want people telling me I look like him and I get that a lot. And that's <laughs> that's an insult. Like, you know, when people tell me that, oh, you look like Mick Cronin. I, I don't think they realize you're, they're insulting me or maybe they are. Maybe they realize it and they don't care. But, you know, he he has a huge buyout. Like he his buyout will go to 18 or 16 million after this year. That that makes him to me not realistic. And you can do a lot worse with, than Mick Cronin. He's a fine coach. Your floor would be not that low, if that makes sense. Like you're you're not going to be bad. But the idea of you really getting where you want to be, it could happen with Mick, Mick. But you know, he's to me, he's one of those guys that's been around a long time. He's had success, but to me, he's never really entered that level of okay. He's one of the better coaches in the game. Maybe some see it that way. I mean, the one Final Four he has was the COVID year where he had to play to get into the tournament. So I don't think it's him of him as super realistic. Chris Beard. I mean, that's I think that's a realistic guy that you could get. Obviously, we all know what happened at Texas. You know, would Louisville be willing to bring him on, given that story, that situation, and some things that have happened at their program? I don't know the answer to that. I know that if they don't hire him, somebody else is going to. He's a phenomenal coach, and you could afford him. His buyout's not crazy. You know, Jerome Tang is a guy that I really, really like, but Jerome Tang also, it's not his fault, but there's not a whole lot of uh, – I mean, he's only been a head coach for a year and some change. So it's not like you can go back over a long period of time and see this guy's track record. However, and I think you probably know this too, Jack – he has a lot. I mean, people are not surprised he's having the success that he has because he was believed to be one of these assistant coaches that was just waiting for an opportunity. He got it, and he, I mean, he did exactly what a lot of folks thought and hoped Kenny Payne uh, would end up doing. Um, a name that's going to be put out there that I'm just, I I don't, I'm not saying he'd be the worst hire and that you wouldn't have success, but Dusty May. I mean, he's got some juice right now because of their Final Four run, and they're a good team this year, but he was under 500 as a coach at Florida Atlantic the four years before he went to the Final Four, so Maybe he, maybe a, a light switched and he's now rolling. But to me, I think you would want a guy that's a little bit more um, proven than that. Um, and and Shaka Smart's name comes up. I like Shaka Smart. His style of play, um, you know, he's a guy that I would tell you that when Mac was hired and even last go around, I just kind of felt like you know I don't know about it. But now I think we all realize you're not going to be able to go get one of the best coaches in the country just because of the situation. And um, I think he'd be a fine coach here, but I don't know how realistic he is because he's back in his hometown in Milwaukee at Marquette. He's already had the big job and he left. Like, I think there's a lot of folks who assume he was fired. He walked away. Now, he might have been fired eventually, but he that wasn't a good fit for him at Texas. So he's now, I think, in a really comfortable spot at Marquette. But Louisville could pay him more money. Maybe he'd be interested. So what's unfortunate and it's really sad for Kenny is that we're to the point now where There'll be people that have strong opinions one way or the other about every candidate, but the fan base is kind of united that no matter what, we know it's not Kenny. So whoever it is, we'll find a way to get to get excited and embrace them because that's just that's just where we are. And it's not to say anybody off the street could come in and do a better job than Kenny, but it's also one of those things you could say and then give it thought and think, okay, you know, anybody might be able to get nine wins and you know, 40-something tries. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but those I think are realistic candidates. You know, Billy Donovan not realistic. Brad Stevens not realistic. But people are going to mention it because you know, that's just what coaching searches do. They bring out the crazies.
0: Oh well, Nick, this has been a blast, man. We are looking forward to this matchup. I I I, I don't think you're giving it enough credit. I'm. I think there went once the ball is tipped. I think. I think we'll kind of start ignoring the noise that that is surrounding the game and focus on, you know, I don't think there's ever been a time, and maybe this is just as unprecedented times, that I have not gotten up for a UK UofL game by the time tip-off came. So this is obviously weird circumstances, but I, I feel like as we inch closer in the next day or two, maybe the juice will start coming back. I don't know. It, maybe it's just wishful thinking because this is just such an odd year and – you know, it's sad. Yeah, this
1: can't the, be that fun for you all. I mean, you'll enjoy it when it happens. But like the lead up has probably been pretty lifeless on both sides, I would imagine, as far as back and forth. Right. You know, obviously, Kentucky fans feel great about their team right now, but uh, Louisville fans haven't even been able to really pick their face up off the mat. So maybe you're right. It's competitive early on. But I think when when adversity does hit, I think that's whenever the noise will creep back in. And these guys will unfortunately just kind of, you know, come to.
0: Well, let's get you out of here with a final score prediction. How how, how bad is the damage? What, what do you think? Uh, how do you think it unfolds on Thursday uh, night in the um Center?
1: Eighty nine, sixty one. That's my score prediction.
0: Ooh, I'm going Kentucky ninety one, Louisville seventy. I, th- I think okay. they, I, I, I feel pretty good about that one, Nick. This has been a blast, man. I know you have a whole day's worth of con, a week's worth of content to get through and you'll probably rehash a lot of the same stuff. So I uh, appreciate you uh, using this, uh, this platform as a, as a vent session for you. We, we certainly appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Uh, send me the bill for the therapy session, Jack. I appreciate it, man.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We'll uh, kick you off and we'll get uh, pay some bills, but man, appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us on Nick. Thanks guys. With that, uh, as he's talking about the UK UofL uh, seating arrangement, I was kind of thinking, how crazy would it be for that to be a true sea of blue? So... Uh, there is an opportunity for that and you can do that by using our friends at game time you should not have to worry when you are buying tickets now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and the best price guaranteed game time does all the hard work for you game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts it's the place to find last minute seats find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more with zone deals you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings and the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference I have looked up what the UK UofL game looks like on game time and uh, it's reasonable it there there is no excuse for Kentucky fans to not make a statement in this matchup by showing up and showing up loud in the Yum Center, the flash deal that pulled up for me, $133, all in, so no extra fees, none of that extra nonsense. $112 is uh, very realistic in, in, in the ballpark there for uh, the Yum! Center. So go go hang out with our friends at, at Game Time, and you'll you'll see us there. It's going to be a great time. We are looking forward to that matchup. Go there with our friends at Game Time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. While you're... Uh, Being... It, it, I'm fascinated to see what the line is going to be for this one because it could kind of name whatever it is, and I could kind of see uh, see it un- of unfolding, but. See it with FanDuel. The NBA in and college basketball season are back. Join FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options included, including spreads, uh, player props, overs, and unders and more. We've been on a heater with our FanDuel parlays before the game. Sean's was a hit. Uh, I think mine was one leg off. But you know, if you're using ours as singles, uh, as straight, straight bets, then you, you're sitting very pretty right now. So make sure you follow along on Twitter. We post those uh, before each big game. Did that before the UNC game, and, and we're, we're right on the money there. So keep doing that uh, visit fanduel.com slash pilgrim that is fanduel.com slash pilgrim fanduel official partner of the nfl 21 and older and present in kentucky first online real money wager only five pregame pre-game money line wager required ten dollar first bon- deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets which expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER last one before we get out of here Swords to Say podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludeke and myperfectfranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. We got cats versus the cards. Going to be a fun matchup. I know it's A little bit weird this time around but hang in there we will get through it and hopefully it results in continued momentum for the Kentucky Wildcats following an awesome win over the North Carolina Tar Heels in the CBS Sports Classic let's keep this momentum rolling Uh, feel bad for Kenny Payne but it might be the end of it a very quick era for him Uh, we'll see how that unfolds but uh, could be the last time you get to see Kenny Payne as a head coach so that's going to be a, a lot of talking points and, and, and intriguing storylines to get through throughout the week. And we're going to be a part of it. We're going to keep rolling with these sources. Say, as appreciate um, us, all of our listeners, for the first one, for the post game with North Carolina, the ones for tonight. And then obviously, we'll have one after the Louisville game on planned playing on Friday. So we will uh, be back for a jam packed Sources Say podcast then. We will see you on Friday.